Hello, my name is Jesse Gister, and I am super thrilled to introduce to you my co-host, Naomi Beatty. Hello, I'm Naomi Beatty. This is my sidekick, Jesse Gister. <laughs> I'm out. I'm done. I'm not doing this show anymore. You're not going to give me that woo. It's all I care about these days. Let's get rid of the music. I'm so hurt that I don't even want to hear our celebratory intro music. Hi. Hello. How are you doing? I'm great. How about yourself? I'm fantastic. I'm in a very good mood. I'm happy to be oh. in the house finally. I've been out all week, but we'll get into that later when we talk about everything that we talk about on the episode. Okay. Um, today, we've got so much to talk about. We are reviewing and uh, dissecting the Vince Vaughn classic, <laughs> Delivery Man. Uh, we got so much to get into on that. I think we're going to uh, maybe bicker a little bit about how contrived is too contrived. <laughs> sure. And I think uh, you're probably going to school me a little bit on on how does one high concept. Mm, okay. What's, what's the best way to 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 uh, high concept? <laughs> All right. Um, and then I'm going to pitch a film to you that is called... Fix him upper. Ah, you know, like it's a fixer upper, yeah, yeah. but it's a fix him upper. Yeah, I like it. All right. Um, let's see if we can keep that that positive okay. attitude going <laughs> through the whole pitch. Uh, but before we get into any and or all of that, I have one question that I am compelled to ask you because I do care. Okay. Did you have any emotions this week? And if so, which was the dominant one? Yes. Exasperation. Oh, was it? Was I a part of it? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> We're not too bad. How about you? What happened? Oh, are we are we just a getting little into bit? It? <laughs> Give us a flavor. Oh, I've had so many um, problems with my internet this week. Oh, okay. It okay. Makes me want to shake my fist at the internet person. <laughs> have you have you tried tweeting? No, because internet's down. Oh yeah. <laughs> There it is. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I could tweet at them. I've, I'm. It's a long story. I'm having the technician come out for the second time this week, and hopefully he'll fix it. So, because here's what I do when the internet is working: is I tweet, mm-hmm. and then I think I really need like at least fifty thousand Twitter followers right. so that this tweet can mean something <laughs> Give, to have it have some impact with yes. it. Yes, sure. So um, <laughs> let yeah. us get famous so that our tweets. <laughs> Mean something to those capitalist pigs over at Spectrum or Verizon. I, I'm not sure that trade-off would be worth it to me. Okay. <laughs> uh, but it's what worth about- it to endure a little bit of a down internet. <laughs> yeah. What about you? What's your dominant emotion this week? Utter surprise. Oh. Profound surprise. Did you know that you can cut your nose while <laughs> shaving your chin? I did not know that. I don't know how I did it. Um, and it's not even like like the 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 base of the nose. It, what is that called? Your flagellum? Is that the I name? I have no idea. It is like the middle of the nostril oh. that I just uh, nicked it. And a nick, uh, just a little bit of nick goes a long way on the nose. I was bleeding <laughs> before. So I try to open a, a Band-Aid and a giant bubble of blood oh, like is already okay, dripping. So much, I get the tissue much. to sop it up uh. and then I have to put down the Band-Aid. And uh, my kingdom... For the person who invents a Band-Aid that you can open with one hand. Mm. You need two hands to pull the little paper apart and then pull the stickers off the back. That's true. My kingdom, which as we've established is not worth very much, judging by my Twitter following, (laughs) for that product. So Maybe if you don't you see, get on that. if you don't see me for the next week, I will be in the lab okay. working on new Band-Aid. Sorry, adhesive bandage technology. <laughs> we are not in the pockets of Johnson and Johnson. Is that enough emotions? I think so. Let's get out of our feelings and get into the talk. Said as such because this is such a non-starter of a film. Oh. There is almost not a movie <laughs> embedded in this movie. Delivery Man. The yeah. first question that is on the top of my mind is, did you enjoy the experience of watching this film? Um, you know, I I think I enjoyed it more than you did. I I think this is a type of movie that I need every once in a while, which is pretty mindless with a feel good message mm-hmm. and some, you know, watchable people in it. Yes. Not, not necessarily watchable characters. I don't think the character work in this movie was particularly strong, but I'm fine watching, uh, what's her name? Kobe Smolders and Vince Vaughn and, you know, I can't believe Chris Pratt was the, the shining star of charisma that got me through this <laughs> thing. He was such a, I like him. I like no, him. I, I love he fits Chris on Pratt. Screen. I love Chris Pratt. I hated his character in this movie. Didn't say I loved his character. <laughs> just said Chris Pratt is charismatic yeah. and I enjoy how I like how he moves. That's <laughs> <laughs> great. Uh, and I disagree with you. Can I disagree with you? Yeah. Do you want me to give the log line first? Yes, I would like you to give the log line first. <laughs> All right. 
right. What, Knowing so, that at the very end of this log line, there's yeah. disagreement coming your yes, way. Yes, uh, that's totally fine. So delivery man, again, I stole this from IMDb. Mm-hmm. An affable underachiever finds out he's fathered 533 children through anonymous donations to a fertility clinic 20 years ago. Now he must decide whether or not to come forward when 142 of them file a lawsuit to reveal his identity. Now, for those of you who are watching our feed, that was me rolling my eyes as hard as I could through the whole pitch. And we'll get into why later. Uh, so that's the, that's the that's, concept. That, that's that the is what happened in the film. Yep. Uh, and, first, I'd like to disagree with you. Yes. Now that we've we've established. Sure. what the movie is. I was so happy watching this film after that string of adaptations that yeah. were all heavy and yeah. work to watch sure. and adaptation and eternal sunshine that like eternal sunshine. You are not on vacation. You are on the clock from the first yeah. frame of that film to the last one uh, to have one that I could you know, go check on the kitchen, see what's going on in there and come back <laughs> right. and know that I would not have missed a thing. It is light and fluffy and not a lot of work to watch. Yeah. And not a- goes a little <laughs> annoying, but other than that, it's also not a lot of emotional investment, which is sometimes what you want, but also not great for the movie. Yeah. Yeah. This was, this was such a good antidote to all the, like all the work films that sure. we've been doing. And I really enjoyed a break from, yeah. from the heavy yeah. lifting. But uh, that said, you didn't like the movie. You thought it was a bad movie. I thought it was a, a vapid movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it was in focus. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, let's let's ask another question that I love to ask. If I had made this film, would I be proud if I was mm-hmm. a director? Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I would have been so proud of that project. Okay. So by that framing, I liked it. Uh, by that framing, I would be proud. Uh, I did enjoy watching it. I don't think I would recommend it to anyone ever. Yeah. If that's fair. It's yeah. So, unless, yeah, it's a non-starter of a, of a film. Let's get into what worked. Okay. What, what did you like? Um, well, so I actually think the concept of the movie is a good, high-concept premise that has a lot of potential. I found this to be so maddeningly contrived. <laughs> I was sitting there thinking like this was like a, a Shakespeare gender swap comedy. Sure. That him, it, that's how silly and stupid it and was. And you don't like contrived movies. <laughs> Lightning strikes. We're going to have that sound effect anytime you zing me with your little oh, okay. fire takes. It seems yes, like I a do. lot of work. <laughs> You know how to talk me out of stupid things. Um, I, I, this felt stupid contrived. It did. Okay. I mean, that's fair. If that's how you felt about it, that's totally fair. I, I don't think this is any more contrived than a lot of other movies that you probably enjoyed. So I'm, I think this is just my opinion. I, mm-hmm. I bet you there's something else about this movie that's not working yeah, that makes yeah. that sort of heightens that reaction in you. The setup was con- okay. That's a beautiful and, and revealing thought that you just expressed because I found the uh, the premise to be contrived, and I was all in because I wanted a break from high mm-hmm. high thought films. Mm-hmm. And what was really disappointing was that they didn't really explore very much in the film. Uh, so he has the 500 kids, and then he starts thinking like he's going to be their guardian angel and make their days better and then one by one he makes their days better Mm -hmm. and then one little brat shows up and kind of crowbars him into solitude or something but he's still actively participating in all the other kids lives and making them better and then Chris Pratt wins the big case which makes everything better and then Vince Vaughn becomes honest which makes everything even better right like (laughs) I don't remember him being particularly challenged he was a little sad when he took down some of the portraits because he wasn't going to be a guardian angel anymore or whatever it was yeah but the through from 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 the moment he started on his trajectory, he went on his trajectory, and yeah. things were. It I was, think the I think the the phrase that you're looking for is lacking or lacking conflict. Like yeah. there's there's just there isn't any conflict in the movie, really substantial conflict. Yeah, yeah. And then his dad is like, "I learned a hard lesson, and I was given ten dollars to start my life, so I'm giving yeah. you ten dollars plus another hundred thousand dollars." <laughs> well, and even the even the sort of like. The moment that's supposed to be sort of the stakes of the movie coming to bear or one of those moments mm-hmm. when his when his brothers reveal to him that their father has been attacked because of the money that Vince Vaughn owes. We don't see it. His dad isn't beat up. His dad looks totally fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His, his only reaction is like, go away. I don't want to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. So. And the uh, long term <laughs> repercussions of that are here's $10,000. Right. right. <laughs> here's your inheritance. Here's my life savings. Early. Yes. <laughs> 
totally, totally unearned pretty much everything yeah. that happens yeah. to Vince so Vaughn in this film. That is a big problem in the movie. I think the concept is there. I know you feel mm-hmm. like it's contrived, but I think it's a, a strong high concept. And I think that... That what, I do agree with. It pitches beautifully. Yeah. And, in, and in, what they didn't do is um, is sort of capitalize on that concept. They didn't milk it. Yes. And they didn't find the conflict and the the stakes really those two things go hand in hand right and without conflict and stakes there there is no genuine emotion and that's really where i think it falls down for me is like i i can be on board for like a totally earnest sappy yeah you know basic emotional journey but they didn't give me that yeah yeah even his girlfriend, that that uh, Maxim model level, yeah, the, the super hot, <laughs> very professional police officer. The worst he faced from her is, "I will be your wife, but you gotta be well behaved." Like there was <laughs> right. even that was. Yeah, I mean, the question that the whole movie is based on is, "Am I fit to be a father?" Right? Like yes. that's that's basically what he's trying to prove throughout yeah. the movie. And there's no point that you really feel like she thinks about not letting him be involved in his yes. new new biological kid's life, right? There's no point that you're sort of like, oh, he's really risking that yeah, yeah, in yeah. order to do this other thing or because of this other thing. So, And yeah, the, it, he is fit because apparently in the world of this film, fatherhood poses no challenge whatsoever at any point along the way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's going to be fine. <laughs> Um, so what can we learn from all this? It sounds like we've pretty much picked apart what works and what doesn't work. Uh, what do you, what the takeaway, what, what would you hope that every screenwriter, even if they don't see this film, <laughs> keeps in their back pocket? Well, um, so I think the big lessons, I don't know that they're super crystal clear, but I think the big lessons are that if you have a great concept, a great high concept, that is not necessarily enough. You can't rest on those laurels. You still need to find the story in there and the, and the story meaning like the character who's trying really hard to pursue something against great odds. Right. Yeah. 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 You still have to find the conflict in it in order to kind of keep us engaged and keep us interested because, um, for as much as this was a, a lovely, no effort ride, it, I didn't care about it, you know? And I, funny enough, I had actually seen this movie before and totally forgot because I believe that I completely believe that. It was a week ago I watched this and I am plumbing the depths of my memory for (laughs) For details. What happened in which order? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I think that is the first big lesson is like a high concept is a great thing to have Mm -hmm. um, to sort of give your project that initial hook. um, But you can't rest on that alone. Yeah. yeah. Not if you want to write a good movie, right? Um, The other thing I think for me is that I think a big problem with this movie that is harder to define is that it's very muddy in terms of what the theme is and what the sort of big idea behind it is. Yes. So yes, he is trying to just trying to kind of prove that he is both to himself and to everyone else that he's fit to be a father. But then there are all these other, you know, seemingly related subplots and ideas that are sort of centering around like, parenthood and making your parents proud and um, making the right choices. And I just felt like it was a little bit too scattered. It didn't have one solid core idea that was really, that was really like, they sort of went wide instead of going deep, you know? Um, And for me, that's a problem. Yes. Yes. I I am uh, in, in, in profound accord with everything (laughs) you're saying. (laughs) Well, good. Was it charming though? I mean, is I don't know. I, is Vince Vaughn a charmer in your book? I don't see it at all. Yeah, I think the casting on this might have done them a disservice too. Like, I just maybe at the time Vince Vaughn was a little bit more appealing. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure. I don't even know when this movie came out. It was several years ago though. Uh, but I feel like there could have been somebody else that maybe would have you know, to play that sort of like lovable underachiever that I would have been a little bit more on board with because Vince Vaughn has that like perma smirk, you know, Yep, 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 yep. (laughs) that makes me sort of not like him. I believe the underachiever part of the lovable underachiever (laughs) in this equation. Right. It's almost hard. Like he almost has to work extra hard to make you believe he has good intentions. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. (laughs) So I feel like, you know, you cast somebody else like cast Ed Helms, right? Or cast somebody that I believe just hasn't been trying very hard, but really does have good intentions. And, and I can get behind that. Yes. I think Ed Helms would be a perfect recasting for, for the main character. Maybe we should remake it again. (laughs) 
part three. <laughs> because I should say this is a remake of a French Canadian film. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also based on, based on true events. It's inspired by true events. Would you like the thunderclap? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> so that, that, that profoundly undermines my accusation of this being contrived, doesn't it? I don't think so. It can feel contrived and still be inspired by true events because yeah. that is, I mean, it, it, cause sometimes life is stranger <laughs> than fiction, but I do think that that big buy that you have to make, right. To, mm-hmm. to sort of get on board with the premise of the movie. Most movies have something like that, whether or not you're resentful of that big buy, yes. I think has more to do with how they execute it. You know? Yes. To be honest, you're, you're absolutely right. Cause in my heart, I feel like uh, national treasure is less contrived than <laughs> delivery man. <laughs> yeah, sure. Just because it's, it's like it, they they follow through on it. Yeah. They try to get the Declaration of Independence, and then they have adventures. Uh, yeah, and this one they like they set it up, and then they just yeah. And kinda... there's there's lots of conflict in National Treasure. Yes, they're yeah, working yeah, yeah. really hard to do their yes. absurd, yes. ridiculous thing. <laughs> I wonder if we ever will do National Treasure on this program. I was just thinking we should because that is your go to reference. I feel like we should watch it just so that I'm on the same page. It's we should do. Okay, we're gonna do a fun and games where I watch Taken okay. and you watch National. <laughs> National okay. treasure and because they both feel like really foundationally yeah. solid films they're, they're easy well take i can't speak to national treasure mm-hmm. but taken is an easy reference for me because it's such a simple story yeah so it's easy to look at the structure or the character in that yep. And, yep. And, yep. and be able to sort of like point out all the things you know yep and same for national treasure yeah. it's not a great classic but it's the foundation is rock solid yeah. And then everything else you yeah. can have fun. Once you have that foundation, and this one did not have a foundation of conflict. I think I agree. these filmmakers should have studied National Treasure, <laughs> which had been out at that point. Yeah. Um, let me, let me, can I jump into a couple things I liked as a filmmaker? Yes, of course. If that's, if, if it pleases the court. <laughs> First of all, uh, dun, 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 dun. we just watched Eternal Sunshine. Music composed by John Bryan. Delivery Man, music composed by John Bryan. Oh. I love John Bryan. Okay, I, I didn't even know there was that composer. connection there. That's cool. Yep. Other things I liked, the lobby scene, when the kids start recognizing him from all the good work he's mm-hmm. doing, it's all one shot, and I really really like that they did that in one shot because yeah. it really gives you like a, a theatrical sense of chaos building. Yeah, it, that, you know, for me not being the filmmaker, mm-hmm. I think that that is a noticeable scene, mm-hmm. even for me, because you can feel the tension, right? Yes. Like you can yes. feel him sort of like dancing in place to make this okay, that yep. that he can see the the sort of light bulbs turning on yep. and all the yep. kids yep. around yep. him. Yep. That was a good scene. I like that. It's this thing about comedy. You introduce a premise and then you fold it and fold sure. it and fold it. I think that was like the first comedic bit we'd gotten to since yeah. act one. Like they do a couple, yeah. like he's a schlub comedic right. bits in act one. Right. Then it's dead yeah. for the first half of act two yeah. when everything is going fantastic for everyone that heroin junkie had such a big apartment <laughs> really i didn't think it was that big for new york city oh, she had that- multiple rooms and she was a heroin junkie 18 year old <laughs> i did not 17. understand seven what was the economy of this film <laughs> well her boyfriend did owe her money so maybe he paid for the uh, apartment. okay okay and uh heroin is apparently very easy to kick <laughs> Um, that one shot, I think that was it. That was it. That was it for what you liked about the movie. (laughs) That one shot. The other thing I liked, and uh, we are introducing a new thing called the Moviesies, which is the movies award ceremony. And the award of today's episode of the Moviesies is uh, the the award for biggest gavel ever goes to the judge in act three. I did not notice. It is like almost the size of one of those mallets that you use at a carnival game to hit the little metal ball up into the air. Did you ever think that maybe the judge was just very small and you were making her feel bad? You're getting thunder on that one. (laughs) Lightning strikes again. (laughs) It did not occur to me that the judge was two and a half feet tall. See? It's all perspective. It is. I think we can <laughs> merrily move on to the big questions. Can we ask some big questions? Sure. Let's, uh, I think let's we. Have them. I think we addressed my big one: is how oh. contrived is too contrived, and mm. apparently not at all because this was based on a true story. <laughs> so let's uh, skip over to your question: okay. How does one high concept? Well, so I thought that this movie would could be a good um, sort of jumping off point for talking about high concept because even though 
I don't think the movie is particularly good. I do think it has Mm -hmm. a high concept idea at its core, right? So I was more interested in talking about what is high concept. Yeah. Um, And And I wonder if you can learn more from high concept where they drop the ball, they fumble Mm. the pass, than you can from high concept that they kill. Maybe. I mean, so I think that high concept is one of those terms that people throw around mm-hmm. and everyone has a different definition of it. Uh, for example, I learned more about shaving by cutting my nose <laughs> than by never cutting my nose. Got it. So maybe the mistakes, the blunders and the fumbles yeah. reveal more than, yeah. than a perfect execution. So, I mean, I think that what we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. that you can learn that high concept isn't enough to, to sustain yeah. your movie, right? Like you have to actually build a good story around that. Yes. That is a really good lesson. So yes, I think we can definitely learn that from this one. But you also opened up a can of worms in a sentence, which was uh, different people think about high concept differently. And I'd like to know how you think about high concept. How are you framing this conversation? Yeah. So I think for for me, the the sort of the crux of high concept is that it's um, it's an idea or a concept for a movie that's instantly gettable. And that it's intriguing. So there's something about it that's like mm-hmm. attractive to you, right? Um, that's the entertainment hook part of it. And then it's just, it's so easy to get. You can describe it in one sentence. Yeah, yeah. Does that kind of ring with ring true with what you've heard? Yes, yes. And I think uh, I think the most common misconception of high concept is that it's uh, expensive and action-packed. Mm, right, yeah, that's and not true at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and this is a perfect film to think about high budget as yeah. a high concept as a lo- lower budget, right. semi-contained story. Right. Cause this, so for this, I think the high concept is, um, a highly prolific sperm donors, kids come looking for him. Right. I mean, that is the high concept. There's, there is something I think is appealing about that idea. Did you write that one? Yeah. That would have been a perfect, uh, log line. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not really the log line. But, it's, but it it's is a little bit, it's a, it is, it's the high concept. It's enough to catch you. Like it's a, you get <laughs> yeah. what the film is. Right. But the, so that's the yeah. high concept. It's easy to pitch, right? It, like you instantly get what that, yeah. what that's going to be. Like you understand the situation. And I think for me anyway, and this, that's the subjective part is there's something interesting about it. There's something intriguing. Yes. I'm like, I'm, I'm curious about that. Okay, I let's see, see where that, that goes. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. So I haven't thought about that one before. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so I think that, um, that's a good like sort of starting point to understand mm-hmm. high concept is it's instantly gettable and it there's something intriguing or appealing about it. Um, and then I think that um, the other thing that people maybe don't understand about high concept is the, the thing that high concept isn't right. So yes. we can like learn what it is by looking at kind of the negative space mm-hmm. around it. And I think for me, the, the thing that high concept isn't is character driven, right? Doesn't mean that you shouldn't have characters oh, in yeah, your yeah. movie, they, but the the concept doesn't have to be or isn't character driven. There's something conceptual about it that's not just based on oh, I'm going to follow these relationships in this story, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, Would you consider like Lost in Translation to that's so character driven? Yeah. Is that, but, yeah. I mean, like, so the if you were trying to make the high concept sort of description of it, it would be a woman travels with her photographer husband to Japan where she's a fish out of water and he abandons her. This is way too many words for it to be. (laughs) Exactly. Age gap. People find right. love. People become friends, even though they shouldn't. Yeah, no, no, this is, yeah, 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 there's no way to high concept that Yeah, one. exactly. What it's, about her? Um, a man falls in love with his OS. So that's high concept. Yeah. And still that one felt very character driven. Yeah, okay. I agree. So there are, you can, there are ways to mesh a, a rock solid character study yeah. with a high concept but premise. But like that entertainment hook of a man mm-hmm. falling in love with his OS, that permeates the movie, right? Like yeah. that is in every... That's in every part yeah, of the movie. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's the high concept, you know? Yep, yep. yep. Um, and then, I know you didn't love that movie, but for me, it, it actually did deliver on the that premise by giving us characters who lived through an emotional journey kind of built on that premise. Yeah, on, you know? on a technical level, yeah. I, I do see what, you know, that the high concept right. pitch is there, and we do we do track their emotions through this very yeah. complicated relationship. Right. So uh, as, as a mature adult, <laughs> I can understand what works about the film. Yeah. Yeah. Not for me. And <laughs> yeah, that's okay. You, and that's, that's fine. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, I and think, then, so the other thing yes. that con- high concept isn't is execution dependent, which is like, um, if anyone gives you a script, right. And says, or tells you about their script and says, well, you really have to read it to, mm-hmm. to understand why it's good or to understand what's appealing about it. That's going to be 
that's not high concept. Oh, okay. You okay. know, it's like the high concept just, it means it has a very obvious entertainment hook that you can yeah. tell me very quickly and easily, you know? Yes. So would you consider eternal sun- sunshine to be high concept? That's interesting. Um, or is it just kind of like high minded and complicated? I and- feel like that one's just more wacky. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's such an interesting idea, but yeah. I don't know that you could like logline it easily. Let me think. It's um, a man it's in a world where yeah, in a, dreams or <laughs> in a world where technology exists that allow you to erase memories of someone. A man and already we're yeah, like yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. yeah the, like the waters are too building deep. Yep. is kind of a giveaway that like maybe it's not high concept, yep. right? Yep, yep. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And her is perfect for that. And in the L.A. of Tomorrow, of the of, yeah, yeah exactly. like the such compact world building. Right. There's no specifics about this right. future. Right. It doesn't even have to be LA, in, right? In a semi-future city. But you bring up a good point, though, with Eternal Sunshine. Just because I don't think that that's necessarily like the and and to be clear, high concept uh, exists on a spectrum, right? Yeah, it's not yeah, like yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. it's either high concept or it's no, not. No, no, I we think don't exist in definitely binary. a range, right? And just because um, Eternal Sunshine isn't maybe the most high concept, it doesn't mean that there isn't a simple emotional journey at the core of it, right? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. it's very clearly like this sort of primal experience of a man mourning his relationship yep, and then yep, yep. kind of coming out the other side, realizing that it, it was, it was worth it. And he actually doesn't want to give up on love. Right. Yeah. And so I think that that is very relatable and primal and, and makes us, you know, engaged in the story and relate to it. But, um, but that doesn't mean, I guess my, the reverse is what I'm trying to say is like, just because something isn't high concept doesn't mean it can't be, um, easily understood, right? Like the, the idea in that movie is a clear, solid core. Yeah. 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 And now see, here's the thing. I think, um, this conversation, I think what, what is being revealed in my mind is that I had a slightly different idea of high concept that I thought Mm. of it more as kind of like a little bit off the grid. Mm. Um, but I think what you're explaining feels more uh, more, more trackable, mm. more reliable. Sure. Like, all right. So, uh, high concept as it relates to this film, I feel like I have taken us down every garden path and I'm not sure where you are headed. Can I let you speak <laughs> on what you were going to speak on I for a moment? I think that was it. I really just okay. wanted to talk about what high concept is because I think that it's, um, it's a phrase that people bandy about and maybe don't fully understand. Yeah. Um, and, or, or they hear it and they're like, I don't, I, th- I feel like high concept just means I can logline it easily. And that's not necessarily true either. Sometimes there are movies you can write a logline for that aren't high concept movies, you know? So anyway, just to bring a little clarity to the discussion, I thought we'd uh, define it. It's, it's, uh, yeah. And I think an, uh, but, um, when I hear high concept, I, I, I hear it as high minded. Mm. And this was a, a perfect example of a high concept film that was not high minded. Yeah, and there are a lot of high concept movies that are not high yeah, minded. Yeah, yeah, There's I a, mean, we have just cleared up a huge <laughs> blind spot in my thought process. And it doesn't mean that they're not good movies. I mean, 40, yeah. 40 year old virgin, I would say, is high concept. Yep. Big is high concept. Um, and there are also high concept movies that are terrible, like. I would say Geostorm is a movie I might hold up as a as an example of a high concept right. movie that has nothing else going there for it. There is a line drawn clearly in the sand between <laughs> oh, did you, you like and that you. Movie? No, I haven't seen Geostorm, oh. but <laughs> I was going to say really? I would love to uh to come down hard in defense of that film, but I don't I mean, think I will ever watch it cuz it looks so pathologically yeah, stupid. It's like 85 moon mo- 85 minutes of movie effects, which is fine if you're in the mood for that. You the know, core. So. We can gesture at the core for a high concept. The core. The uh, core. Where I don't they, think I ever saw that. Yeah. That's the one where the center of the earth stops. So they have oh. to detonate a nuclear bomb <laughs> Got it. at the core of the earth. See, there you go. <laughs> it wasn't perfectly executed. Okay. I think, I think they paid short shrift to the complexities of being a computer hacker. And if, mm. if they had tweaked that knob just a little bit, I think they, they would have gotten some. Got it. They would have had a visit from their old friend, Oscar. <laughs> Okay. Are we good? Is <laughs> yeah. it time? Have I have I ruined this yet? I no. I think uh, I think we got some some good stuff in there. Yeah. No. No. I like that. And I wonder if uh, if anybody would like to do follow up reading on your ideas of high concept, mm-hmm. if they'll have an opportunity when this episode comes out. They will. That feels like very appropriate. There is a blog <laughs> there might post. Might be a launch pad. <laughs> yeah. All right. Then, without further ado, we are going to move on to. The pitch. 
Are you ready for this one? I'm ready. Fix him upper. It's like an old fixer upper, like a house, but it's a fix mm-hmm. him upper. I got it. Okay. I understand. Is that gettable or is it's it stupid? Gettable. Okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> All it has to do is be gettable and we can move forward. So, okay. I'm watching this movie, Delivery Men. Perhaps you've heard of it. Mm-hmm. And I am uh, befuddled by uh, one question, one simple fact that comes up. Anytime you have these, these uh, Adam Sandler types, these, these beer-swilling, mid-30s, late-30s guys who have nothing going on for them, they wear their old ratty clippers t-shirts everywhere they go or whatever, they have a smoking hot, highly professional, actively engaged in the community girlfriend. Yeah. And I, uh, I don't really understand the configuration mm-hmm. You know more about the female condition than I do. Is there some uh, insatiable hunger for late career Adam Sandler types that that young women feel? Uh, I mean, I think the reason this is totally a TV trope, right? Like you Mm -hmm. always see on sitcoms, the kind of schlubby husband with the beautiful wife. I feel like this is a a really common pattern there, Um, but in movies too. And I think that it, the reason it's like, not commented on more and, and, and therefore, or maybe not commented, commented on more and also more acceptable to us than if it were the other way around. Right. Um, is that that pervasive sort of belief that women value things other than looks, right. And Mm -hmm. women are valued for their looks and value things in men other than looks, right. Like you're, I don't understand the inability. Reminds me, I love Swinky so much. (laughs) Um, I don't understand, you know, how it extends to like the inability to um, support your family and to, mm-hmm. you know, be a good provider. Because supposedly that's the thing that women are attracted to is like a man who's a good provider and protector. Yeah. I'm not saying that this is right or true or should be yeah, true. Yeah, I'm just yeah, saying like yeah. this it's is the like trope the, that we lean on. Exactly. And so the fact that he has none of those things in Delivery Man makes yeah. it sort of hard to hard to believe. Um, the question comes up like who is this woman Mm -hmm. in this film and all these films? Like, who is this person? Yeah. Um, and then I started thinking like, there is a savage satire to be made of all of this that really, uh, like betrays all the absurdity of these setups and the the ridiculousness of the rom-com formula. And I'm not the guy to write it. That's what I learned this week. <laughs> oh, I thought you were totally going that direction. <laughs> no, no. I thought of ways to deconstruct it. I thought of ways to turn the for- the genre over on itself and kind of fold it into a mirror version. Mm-hmm. And they all felt like watered down 15th generation Charlie Kaufman mm-hmm. wannabe concepts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I reached out to a good friend of mine. Uh, her name is Naomi. And she <laughs> said, uh, don't be Charlie, be Donald. <laughs> That's so funny. I was just about to say, I don't remember you reaching out to me, but I do remember saying that. So. Yeah, it was on one of my my text threads where I'm having yeah. some kind of breakdown and then eventually. <laughs> that's I got to say, that's that's like some wisdom right there. Don't be Charlie B. Donald. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I thought, OK, I just I have one week to do a pitch. Yeah. I got to be Charlie. Yeah, I, I got to be Donald. Donald. So if I just... can't be Charlie, you got to be Donald. Yeah. So you just leaned into the earnestness. Is that what you did? So I wrote a script that absolutely confirms every trope that we have just wow. discussed. Okay, nice. Let's hear it. But hey, the good news is uh, there is a track record of financial stability in this yeah. format. So <laughs> well, it's worth pitching. Like we were saying earlier, sometimes, I mean, there is definitely an audience and a market for mm-hmm. movies that are, you know, breaks from other types of movies, right? Yep. That are that are maybe earnest and sweet and not super deep. And I'm okay with that. I, there are a yeah. lot of movies like that that I enjoy. So There's a the whole channel called the Hallmark, Hallmark <laughs> Channel <laughs> that is kind of just for that. Sure. Um, so I'm, what, I'm, what I tried to do, second place. First place was a mind-bending concept that undermines the genre and makes the entire industry rethink every mistake it's ever made over the last 50 to 100 years. Mm-hmm. Second place is putting your personal stamp on the old tried-and-true uh, format. Okay. So, um, went for second place on this. Okay. All right, so our, our characters are Candace. And think of her like a uh, Maxim cover model type. Okay. 
And James, think of him as a late career Adam Sandler type. <laughs> okay. Not to put too fine a point mm. on it. Candace is the uh, director of events at Riggers Planetor- Planetarium in Arizona. So okay. she's got like a pretty high class job that's a little bit demanding. Okay. And she kind of, the, 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 Big, the big thing of her year is the, the annual gathering when all the luminaries of the, um, which one is it? Astral... Astronomy. Astronomy. <laughs> <laughs> no, not the horoscope writers don't have any bearing on this. Okay. Astronomy. They, they come in mm-hmm. and it's, you know, the, kind of like the grand council and they all socialize and mm. wine and cheese and talking about where planetariums are headed. <laughs> Okay. As they do. Sure. Um, and this is this is her big thing. And it's a real button down event for her. Okay. Um, uh, before as she's as she's planning it, her 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 boyfriend James, he screws up for the bajillionth time in their relationship. She's really getting to the end of her thread with him, and this is the screw up that she's ready to leave, and he's, you know, not the sharpest crayon in the tool shed, mm. as they say. Uh-huh. Um uh, and he doesn't, he's not picking up on the hints that she is, she's at the end of her rope. Okay. So, um, he thinks everything's going gangbusters. So what he does is he figures, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to show her I can commit. And he puts together a really elaborate, really big proposal that he's going to do up on the screen of the planetarium at this big event mm. to show her that he's still got love in his heart, that he can wow her at this point. Um, well, wouldn't you know it? She doesn't, she can't say no. She's surrounded by all these people that she respects. She's trying to impress. Mm. Uh, she can't say no to a proposal on in front of all in of public, them. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he, what what he has inadvertently done is bullied her into mm-hmm. an engagement, and he's not even aware at this mm. point. So um, she she is she is uh, not happy. Let me double check my notes. Uh, yep. So uh, friends friends and family are. Uh, noticeably, they're excited. They're so happy that Candace is finally getting married. Mm-hmm. Uh, all in. Everyone's for it. So she's kind of stuck in this thing. And what can she do? She's going to try to make him work the way she can make her work work. Like mm-hmm. the, she's a very, you know, the button yeah. down workaholic. Sure. Like, everything has to be straight laced. And she figures she's going to fix him up. She's going to clean it. up this James yeah. guy. And here we are in act two. Uh-huh. Would you believe me? Would you have guessed that? Yes, that, that I this would have. The... But I, I feel like that is a great little setup for your story. Isn't it good? Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of, it's yeah. it, there's good pathos. Uh-huh. There's good conflict. Well, I, I like the, I like your, your catalyst or your inciting incident. I think that that is a clever way to sort of force this situation yeah. into happening, right? In a in a way that, um, you know, people who are really critical might call it contrived, but I would never. I would Actually, this is based on a true story. This happened to me twice. <laughs> no, I do like that setup, though, yeah. that, like, he, he does it in public, not not intentionally bullying her yeah, into it, but yeah, yeah. she doesn't feel like she can say no. And I, I think, think that that works. The time is right on this because you'll see more on YouTube, like the sure. going viral, the yeah. big proposal. Yeah. And eventually it doesn't feel like a proposal. It feels right. like a, like a, a gunpoint. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, which is, I mean, I like the reason that I think that it's clever is because that is true. You, yeah. you know, it, it, it you feels can imagine, of the moment. You can imagine that happening. You can imagine the feelings of like being a little bit caught and not wanting to, Ruin yeah. the moment, right? Um, yeah. So, yeah. Let's works. see where it goes. Okay. Let's see if we can keep that momentum going. So, what she learns is that uh, you can take you can take the boy out of the ratty old Clippers tee, but you can't take the ratty old Clippers tee out of the boy. Okay. So she's trying to fix him up, trying to trying to get it all together, trying to get him to be her power couple match. Okay. And um, can I just yes. stop you really quick? So do we know exactly sort of what her issues are with him at this point? Is it just like he doesn't have a good job and he dresses like a slob or is it more because you said before he has screwed up again. Yeah. So is it more fundamental than he's more looks? of a he's a flake. OK. Not really focused, directionless. Okay. Uh, whoa, slob. No job is the <laughs> archetype I would and, call him. And is there anything about him that we like? Uh, he is fun. Okay. He is fun. He okay. is charming. Life of the party kind of guy. Yes. Okay. Oh, that's a that's a fun thing. He's got this league that he's in, the sports league <laughs> called the Bandits. Okay. Um, and he every every uh, Saturday they have a game, and what their game is is uh, have. You, I'm, why do I even ask you? I'm going to assume that at no point in high school or college you did swathing buckets. No. I okay. Have no so idea. What, what you do is you round up the kitchen pots from your house okay. and your friends. And like you take that kitchen pot and you get enough beers to fill your kitchen pot up to the very top. 
And then you watch basketball, then you drink a pot full of beer while you watch basketball. Wow. So this is this is what they were doing in college. This is they call it the league. And every week they get get out their swathing buckets and they watch Smokey and the Bandit. Okay. So this is because it's more fun to drink it out of a pot than it is to drink it out of a can or a bottle. It's funnier. Okay. It's (laughs) if it works once, it'll work every time for the rest of your life. Okay. Anyway, uh, that's just the little side. That's an aside, I believe they're called. Moving on. Um, uh, There was a a little bit I forgot to set up at the top that uh, she has has a good relationship with her parents. Um, They're getting older. But uh, what she discovers is that her mother is having an affair. Mm. And this gets under her skin very deeply. Like she's kind of got this ideological, starry-eyed view of her parents' relationship. So she's frustrated. And she also has this friend, Vivian. She goes over to see her friend, Viv. And Viv and her husband of 15 years are still canoodling all Mm. the time. Like, they're always cuddling and having a great time Mm -hmm. and just starry-eyed in love with each other a decade and a half in. Okay. So between between seeing her parents' relationship, uh, learning about this uh, and seeing the other relationship, she's got this, like, renewed fire inside of her Mm -hmm. that... um, she she's going to fix the shit out of this guy okay. and make it work. Okay. Uh, so she doubles down. Whatever it takes, she's going to do it. And wouldn't you know it, she fixes him up. She gets him in the suit. She gets him learning how to talk the talk and walk mm. the walk and okay. be a bit of a charmer and be able to do the dinner parties and work the circuit. And okay. He cleans up. He cleans up really nice. Okay. Um, in fact, he cleans up so very nicely uh, that that he's 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 a hit. He's the hit of the family. Her family loves him even more than they did before. Mm-hmm. Uh, her friends love him even more than they did before. The folks at the planetarium love him even more than they ever even could have imagined. Like this is uh, the broom and Fantasia. Like it's getting out of control. Okay. He's, he's better than she is okay. to the point that the planetarium invents a position to hire him thinking that this will just be the best. Okay. He can be in charge of the fun events that people want to go to. Mm-hmm. And you can, as you can be in charge of the formal events mm-hmm. that uh, keep our austerity up. Mm-hmm. kind of thing and it's great because you're getting married anyway so right. you get to work you can yeah. be together all day every day so she right. this is a hell of her own design okay and it's uh eating at her more and more uh, the, the the more success she has in her mission to fix him up her mm-hmm. the worse her days become are we good so far mm-hmm. anything not tracking no 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 it's all okay. track. it's, it's all tracking and bearing in mind that this is tracking for a romantic comedy mm-hmm. fluff piece not yeah. <laughs> not eternal sure. sunshine this um so he initiates uh the the celestial picnic at the planetarium. Okay. And this is this is hot. All the kids, like all the families are coming out with their kids. This is not just button-down luminaries who are flying in once a year. Like this is becoming monthly that mm. people are coming out and the planetarium is growing and glowing and all the wonderful mm-hmm. things. Um and she has had it it's just it's the first celestial picnic that we see in the film that mm-hmm. she's had it she and she just breaks she's had it with her parents who are living this lie she's had it with uh james who is a, a wild out of control perfect monster of mm-hmm. her own creation um and she has had it with the planetarium that has forced her into this situation that she doesn't want to be in and she's very loud very vocal uh you know it's the big scene you know the one sure um and yeah so now she's lost her job she's lost her friends she's lost her family and she's lost her man because of of this this venom that has been brewing inside of her trying to make everything around her perfect in her vision okay without ever figuring out what it might have meant to be perfect for herself like what she who she was the okay. whole time she had this vision of what everything should be right she didn't even think like who am i what do right. i want who should i be okay all right where are we in the story uh we're breaking into act three here. okay that's that's what kind of kicks her off into yeah. uh the dark night of the soul okay. where she has to rethink everything okay so she ends up uh talking to her dad mm-hmm. he, he you know he's got some love in his heart for her uh, he does not give her $100,000 to fix her problems, but he does tell her that um, that he knows about the affair and that he's happy about the affair and that mm. sometimes love isn't as simple as 
uh, monogamy, like that, that, that love over a long period of time becomes complicated and that mm-hmm. m- more important than loving her mother in one way was liking her mother over decades. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she looks at her, her other friends, Viv and her husband and realize like these people like themselves first and then they love each other second. Mm. So now she's got to figure out like, how do I like myself? How do I actuate my own self mm-hmm. in, in life? And the only person that she has to lean on is James, like this person who is really sincere and really sweet and really good at listening and Mm -hmm. talking and bringing other people around him to life. So Mm -hmm. she thinks like, I'm going to go talk to him and like, see if we can scoop this up, clean this up. If we get, we worked on him and now he's shooting for the stars. Can we work on me? Mm -hmm. And he says, no, like (laughs) you, you know, you made it clear where you were with, with, our relationship mm-hmm. that you I was just like a pawn in your plan to be this other thing and now that things are good you hate me but mm-hmm. you said what you said on a mm-hmm. public stage when I was on a public stage I said I loved you when you were on a public stage you said you hated me mm-hmm. these things were true in my mind sure so um uh, you know they figure out how to patch things up this mm-hmm. is the they it's a happy ending don't worry <laughs> they patch things up the wedding is off Okay. And they replace it with a uh, uh, um, they, uh, love is complicated and we're going to give it a try, but totally understand if you don't want to join our party on account of recent event party <laughs> instead of a wedding. Got it. Same invitation mm-hmm. list, but just a new title sure. for the party. So sure. they, they at the end, they decide that they're going to give it a go. Mm-hmm. They're going to try it, see mm-hmm. if she can find out who she is. Uh, and, and see how that goes Yeah. with now both of their roles switched where she's the, the lazy bones <laughs> slob sort of, and he's the star player at the, all yeah. right. Well, so I, I like that you don't resolve it with a wedding because mm-hmm. I feel like that would be too pat and too sort yeah. of. No, no, no. I was thinking like yeah. we need to, it, it's not a wedding. It's a, yeah. uh, we're going to give it a try, but we yeah. totally understand if you're not, yeah, if yeah. you don't want to be a part of this right. after everything right. that's happened. Right. Right. Uh, so I like that. Um, I think it's a good concept and I think that you have the, the, the beginnings of a strong emotional core in there. Mm-hmm. Um, What's, yeah. It feels thin to me. It does indeed. In, in that, it, kind of in the same way we were talking about Delivery Man, like not having enough conflict, I started mm-hmm. to wonder like what, so so basically the um, the makeover montage that we see in other movies is your entire first half of Act 2. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then, you're, and then the second half of Act 2, because this, keep in mind that this is your shortest pitch that you've ever given uh, me. <laughs> You're saying that like you think I'm not aware. As I was writing it down, I was thinking like, this is a montage and I'm trying to sell this as 25 minutes. Of, yeah. So, <laughs> 20 I, so minutes. I do think that there's stuff there that you could mine and create enough story. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that it's like a doomed situation. No, like there no, no, isn't, no, no. A, you know, because there is something interesting about it's very, um, it, I mean, it's it's very she's all that or um, can't buy me love or any whatever, yeah. you know, movie you want to reference where she makes him over and then, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, and then yeah. he becomes popular and then he doesn't need her anymore. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so it's basically the grown up version of that, which I like. Um, it's sort of a new twist on that old kind of movie trope, right? Which is what Hollywood's just looking yeah. for. Well, I mean, I don't think it's a bad idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, set it up, which is a very popular Netflix, Netflix movie this year, um, is, is sort of like just a refresh of, of Cyrano de Bergerac. Right. Mm-hmm. And so yours is just sort of a refresh yeah, of, um, yeah, 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 what's yeah. the, what's the one I'm thinking of? Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, uh not another teen movie. <laughs> well, what's all, what are all those based on all those, um, she's all that based yes, on yes, yes. the, gosh, darn it. I can't think of what's the original. Moving on. Yes, anyway. we know. We all know it. It's, yes. So, um, so that yes. thing that we all know what it's called. Um, yours is a refresh of that, yeah, which is yeah, yeah. which is good. I think that that is um, something that you look for in viable movie concepts or you know screenplay concepts. So, so that's good. You have that working for you. You need to find the conflict in this. Um, you know, kind of the, yes. the big. You need to find the big conflict that is stretching through the whole movie because I don't think that it's there yet. Um, 
you know, like what is sort of standing in her way of, of her achieving her goal, that, that mm-hmm. main source of antagonism. Cause I don't think it's really enough that it's, that it would be him because yeah. we, we want to be on their side, sort of rooting for them. You know, yeah, I, I think, yeah. I think that's kind of what you want, the emotion that you want in the movie. So I don't think you could, you could work the situation that like, he just really doesn't want to be fixed up and she's going to fix him up. Like that wouldn't, that wouldn't play. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think you need something else that is a, is an antagonistic force in there. I was honestly hoping I could hedge my bets on, we've got uh, the Viv and her husband and we've got the parents mm-hmm. that we could just jam pack this thing. So full of C plots that mm. nobody would notice. <laughs> and you can totally try that and see if it works. Um, and I, I think, you know, the other, uh, the other thought that I had about it was, um, gosh, what was the, now I'm just blanking on everything, yes. uh, that, um, I want to know sort of a little bit, I guess a little bit earlier what that lesson is that she needs to learn. And I think, yeah. because I feel like that it kind of came in towards the end in a way that I, that I like, I like that the story is about, it's not about, um, fixing everything around you. It's about fixing yourself first or liking yourself first or however you phrased yeah, it. I yeah. think that that's a good lesson. That's a good, like emotional core for your story. Um, I, I think, and again, this was a short pitch, so there are it lots was. of details in there that I'm sure you can work in. Well, hey, just maybe to, it's just better to, to do us. a short pitch and then fill in. Yeah, like instead sure. of assuming that you got yeah. 90% of it, assume you got 30% of right. it and, and brainstorm the other 90%. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's all working working in from from your sort of yeah. broad strokes, right? And yeah, yeah. This, is, uh, this might be the broadest stroke pitch yeah. I've done so far. And I think that's okay. It's a totally... It's a broad stroke film too. <laughs> it's like a the viable premises. way to pitch an idea yeah. though, you know, like you don't have to have every detail figured out in order mm-hmm. to pitch it and see if it works. Um, but so I think that, yeah, knowing, and that might be where your conflict comes from, right. Is knowing what it is, like how she's standing in her own way or how she's making, I don't have solid answers for you, but maybe how she's making herself unhappy despite the yes. fact that she's getting, that she's successful in fixing him up. If we could know that earlier, that might help. Yes. Um, or if there, I, yeah, I don't know now I'm just brainstorming for you, but if there's some mind, other conflict in my mind, it, 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 she, it felt like a kind of uh bubbling angst inside of her. Mm -hmm. Like she's a very precision oriented person and why she fell in love with him was because he was so free spirited. Right. And, uh, the the more she tries to close down on everything, like it's in my mind, it was a slow boil that Mm. would, uh, as I was writing it, reveal itself to not be a fast enough boil. And then Mm. I'd have to introduce, like I could feel it (laughs) happening wrongly. A couple of things that, that go along with that idea. One, which I'm sure we'll get into much more in a later episode, but is likability Ah, for her. If she is a fundamentally unhappy person and making, you know, forcing other people to do things around her because she's not addressing her own happiness. Eh, you might be that might yes. be a fine line to walk. No, no, no. And then we have this other guy who's based on charisma right. and fun, right? And we're just sort and of going to be like, dude, you should just get away yeah. from her, you yes. know? So there's there's something to work out there yeah. in their yeah. dynamic, right? And f- maybe finding the real love between them is what it is that like you sort of need to string through the story. Um, you so, reckon you we know. should tell the story of like their early days backwards through dreams that she has <laughs> throughout the second act? Would that help? Hmm, that does sound interesting. Okay. Uh, no, the. Uh, but related, I think, to all of this is really what's at stake. Okay. Um, I think that that is, and again, it doesn't have to be super, it, it doesn't have to be super high stakes in terms of like life or death situation, but what does she lose if she fails to fix him up, you know? This is, yes, yes, yes. And uh, I think you could front load a, this is who I am about mm-hmm. her job and mm-hmm. then Towards the end of right. the third act, uh, her, towards the end of the third act, who am I? Sure, but but her job doesn't necessarily hinge on her fixing him up until much later. Yeah, yeah, if at all, right? It's like at the beginning, she's no, just going to no, fix no. him up to save herself the embarrassment of rescinding her acceptance. Yeah, so yeah. that's a little. It doesn't feel very um, no for how emotionally that engaged. Act one is yeah. <laughs> it really does kind of fluff out. Yeah, right? it's sort of like I get why she says yes, but mm-hmm. then it almost feels inspired like, by delivery. <laughs> <laughs> but then it almost has to. There has to be something else to come into play yeah. to to make her be like, oh, 
oh shoot, I have this great plan because I have to embark on this great plan. You know, yeah. like I have to fix him up. Not just, this is, this is going to solve all my problems. And look, it does. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, it's yeah. like, oh no, I said yes. And I can't back out. And now I have to do this other thing. Otherwise this other terrible thing will happen. And in case I ever forget about what's wrong with the film that sets up conflict in act one and then just drifts through <laughs> act two, I will re-listen to this episode. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I think it's a good like the. I mean, I I like the idea at the core of it. It's you a can, good core yeah. idea and a good setup. Like the act one felt really solid mm-hmm, and did. fun. Yep. And then I was like racing to catch up sure. with it for the rest of the right. the outline. And which, I'm not too big to admit that. Uh, right, which I think is a good. I mean, it's actually a good um, example to sort of illustrate what happens to a lot of writers. Like you come up with a great setup, yeah, and then yeah, yeah. sort of go, ah, now what? <laughs> right? No, no, no. I could write the first fifteen, twenty pages of the pages of this tomorrow, yeah, yeah. and then go through hell right, for the next right. hundred pages yeah. and come out with garbage, right? <laughs> but because right. you're setting up a good. Um, you're setting up what seems like a good uh, premise, yeah, but really, yeah. when you look at it, you're sort of like, oh, but I need a few more pieces to really make it a solid like launching pad for the rest yes. of the story. Weirdly, though, this one does feel like we've got the board with all the different pitches on mm-hmm. it. This one feels like one I would like to mm-hmm. kind of pick apart because I feel yeah. like it's a good, solid genre piece. Yeah. Would you consider this high concept? Um, Not now. Not yet, but I think okay. it could get there because okay. it's like... If you if you pitched it to me as like a woman um, fixes up her her slovenly boyfriend for the first time in cinematic history, <laughs> yeah, I feel like I get what that looks like, but there's it doesn't feel very meaty. Like you were yeah, saying, yeah, like yeah. there's something about it that I'm like, okay, but why? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, <laughs> what makes it unique is yeah, not really clear yeah, in yeah. in this version of it. The first act is fun, but sure. what? Why? How is this yeah. uh, different film? The first act is really fun um, and and I think clever, which is important. Um, because a lot of times getting us to getting us in a believable way to that premise, like the, Mm -hmm. to the, the concept that you're going to milk for the rest of the movie, the fixing up that can be problematic in some movies where it's like, I just don't buy that. They're going to do this thing. Once we get on the thing, it's fun. But so that's where, that's where your act one is really strong. It's like, Oh, I believe that this is leading to that. And now I can't wait to see the fun that's going to come from it. Yeah. yeah. There's always that question you ask, isn't there an easier way for And most, most of these rom-coms have an easier way that, that we have to kind of like, like ignore for it the whole reminds film. me a little bit of the movie picture perfect do you know that movie i haven't seen it it is a jennifer aniston classic <laughs> uh and uh the other actor whose name i'm forgetting gosh full of full of fact holes in this, we, in this yeah. episode but anyway um but so it's about a girl who basically you know uh, wackiness ensues after mm-hmm. she lies to her boss about being engaged and then has to like bribe the yeah, guy to, yeah, yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. Be, pretend to be her betrothed, you know? So anyway, yes, yeah, similar yeah, setup, yeah, but, yeah. but that's just all to say that there is, there is a premise there that I think you can get a movie out of, you know, and it would trailer. Well, yeah. you can see the trailer for this very <laughs> yeah. easily. Yeah. All right. I think we're good. Yeah. Thank you for your feedback. I You're really welcome. do appreciate it. Are we ready for the next piece? Yes. Then it is time for, Something, anything else. Movies are off the table. Right. Television is off the table. We have, we are fully realized adult yeah. human beings who have passions, hobbies outside of the film industry. And this is the, the time to shine in that area. Okay. Which leads me to my question. Do you have something, anything else this week? I do. Whoa. <laughs> what is it? What have you got? I have a live theater thing that is based on a movie. <laughs> It is week after week. You are pushing the very limits of this That's all I'm interested in, unless it has dogs. And then that would be my other area. I saw a cat this morning and it was very nice. (laughs) That's not a dog. So. (laughs) I'm trying to keep the conversation going, Naomi. You don't have to try. I've got something, anything else for you. What's the theater thing? What are you talking about? So I went to see this show. It's called I Know What You Did Last Summer, The Unauthorized Musical. Ooh. It was really fun. I mean... (laughs) So as I was leaving, I realized, you know, it was super fun. I totally enjoyed my entire time there. Mm-hmm. It's basically a glorified karaoke show because they're just singing a bunch of songs that like you're familiar with um, to, I think, to sort of string the story through. But why would that be? Why would anyone ever do that? <laughs> What's the point? <laughs> so 
it's basically it's it's sort of taking the plot of I know what you did last summer and telling it through musical performances of pop songs. That may, here's the thing that makes no sense. I love musicals. If you're gonna do a musical, why wouldn't like you're you are missing out on the best part of What's musicals? What's the best part? Getting to make musical songs, like writing songs, is so sure. much fun. But they, u- it's almost like found footage. Like they use songs that you're already familiar with in order to tell the story and of this movie yeah, that you're yeah. already familiar with. It's really fun, super fun. The performances were great. Um, a a friend of the family, Scott Porter, is in mm-hmm. the the show, so he was very good. The band is really good. I was very impressed with them. Um, and it's at the historic El Cid, so you can go and have Ooh. dinner while you're watching the show. It's it's just a fun Wait, night El out. El Cid on Sunset? Uh, yeah, in like there, Silver Lake. Or, yep, yeah. I go there at least once a month to oh, really? shoot a burlesque show that my friend oh, puts on. Yeah, they, they have a burlesque show yes, there, they too. they do. Yeah, so it's fun. Um, it's a fun night out, fun night with friends, and it's a... It's a funny show. Like it's not. They don't take it seriously. They're so they're really a musical and, of. <laughs> yeah, I know what you did um, last summer. They don't take it too seriously. It's it just, not a somber affair. No, um, and it made me very happy that there are things like this happening in yes. LA that I can go to and have a good time. Sorry, I didn't mean to be dismissive of the thing that you were recommending. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not even necessarily recommending it. I'm just. It I'm, sounds like I'm, you're on the positive I'm, side. I'm recommending going to things like this. You yeah. know, I just think it's a fun change of pace. So I just think like musicals are so much fun and writing musical music is mm. so much fun you don't get to yeah. write musical music for the radio or but for so I don't really care about musicals I mean it's not that I don't like them but I'm not mm-hmm. a super musical fan and I am just happy to watch people sing so and they're very good singers so okay yeah you can, <laughs> you can enjoy the lesser arts that's fine with me they're singing songs that you've heard before it's not like just because you hear yeah. a song that you haven't heard probably, before it's a better experience probably variations on on top of old smoky and yankee doodle no, dandy but they did sing a backstreet boys song wait which one i don't remember i am so there <laughs> there you go sold all right i got something i got something anything else okay for you let's hear it little tokyo oh yeah little tokyo is dope yeah. I like that district. So <laughs> the reason that's coming up is because for the Hollywood Fishbowl, which is not a film thing, um, we do mini-series on different topics. Uh, screenwriting, burlesque, uh, independent musicians, faith-based film. Uh, stand-up. Stand-up comedy, improv comedy oh, was the improv, last one. sorry. But we do, we do these mini-series and uh, uh, the Little Tokyo Service Center caught wind of our program and asked if we'd like to come over. And do a mini series on Little Tokyo, and they gave us a pop up studio. So I had a podcast studio for a week in, mm-hmm. in downtown LA. Fun. Uh, they booked up 10, 11 interviews over the course of the week. Normally, I record one fishbowl a week. This week was much more than that. Um, and spoke with historians, spoke with young entrepreneurs, spoke with legacy business owners, mm-hmm. and spoke with community organizers. Just like the, the the broadest and yeah, and historians broadest swath of people that you could imagine f- mm-hmm. in in the course of ten interviews. So what we have coming up on the fishbowl is a ten part miniseries. This is by far the longest series we've done on any topic ever mm-hmm. um, about what Little Tokyo is, the history mm-hmm. of it, what's going on there today, and what's being built. What the young mm-hmm. entrepreneurs are trying to cook That's up there cool. to, keep it, to keep it going and growing yeah. and glowing and flowing. All those wonderful things. That's great. Um, that's really cool. I'm interested to hear that because I don't know very much about Little Tokyo, but I've been to different events and restaurants and things in the area. So it's a singular neighborhood in the world Mm -hmm. because of, um, the high density of Japanese population early on because it's Western Pacific. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the, the neighborhood they built around that very high density population and then, like you see them, I was looking through this history book and you see everybody moving in and Mm -hmm. opening up their apple carts and Mm -hmm. then they get a brick and mortar and then they open up a movie theater to show, you know, half the films are Japanese and half the films are LA and Mm -hmm. they're all dressed up to the nines and it just is like bubbling and bubbling and then Mm -hmm. World War II Mm -hmm. and it disappears. It's just empty. Yeah, of course. Um, a, A whole story about that of what happens during the camps uh, and how how the neighborhood changed then and Mm -hmm. then how the camps ended and how a lot of the Japanese people came back to Little Tokyo Mm -hmm. and reclaimed that space 
and are still fighting to it to the, this very day to to keep that space preserved as mm-hmm. a, as the Japanese community's yeah. home. Uh, wild stories, wild history, mm-hmm. wild stuff going on. Really, just a, a singular. It feels like a small countryside yeah. neighborhood in the middle of downtown LA. Mm-hmm. You spend a day there, and you kind of get a good feeling. You spend three days there, you're like, oh yeah, that's the lady who works over there, and <laughs> oh, that's that guy crossing the street right now. Yeah. I know him. Hey, I just talked to him the other day, and you really get the sense of it's like a small right. town right. community. Everyone knows everyone. Yeah. Uh, so enjoy that. And I'm very cool. curious. I'm excited to see the metrics because we've never done a 10 part. Mm-hmm. We've like any... history perspectives. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're trying to elevate the fishbowl. Yeah. We're trying to like keep it fun, but also yeah. like go a little more high minded sure. every now and then. And this cool. is the highest minded we've ever gone. So that's my <laughs> nice. something, anything else. Are Wait. we? Yes. What? I have one more for you. I have what? a bonus something, anything else. Anyway, you I forfeited the other week. I know. I didn't have one, so I'm making up for it. Yes. What have you got? I went, I went to another thing this week that was, a, that was really fun. Little Miss Fancy splashing out. Uh, I went to the Notorious RBG exhibit at the Skirball, and it's awesome. You should totally go. Bang in. Yeah. What'd you learn about RBG? I'm wearing my Descent collar earrings now. Dude, I just have this image of her... If, if, if throughout the Kavanaugh hearings, like she is in a cave somewhere listening to the Batman Begins soundtrack, like with an industrial stapler attaching her yeah. descent collar permanently to her neck. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's really cool. She, it, the, the exhibit goes over all of the sort of like pivotal, you know, landmark mm-hmm. cases that she was in, that she's been involved in and her opinions on in them. And it's just really neat. I think knowing that you like uh, legal writing, I think you should go. Writing. Yeah. Uh, right there with you, RBG. The Notorious RBG exhibit is at the Skirball. dope. <laughs> How scared were you when she slipped? Very scared. Yeah. I was like, oh no. <laughs> Here we go again. This can't happen. Please. Uh, so that's it. That's my bonus one. That's awesome. That's, yeah. that's a good one. Are we good? Yes, we're good. Then I... We forgot to do plugs on the short episode. What plugs? Oh, you're right. We did. If people liked what they heard coming out of your brain and mouth, where should they go find more of it? Uh, they can find me on my website. It's writeandco.com. W-R-I-T-E-A-N-D-C-O.com. I should make a website that's right on co, like <laughs> R-I-G-H-T. To, and it'll just be like, uh, it'll be a picture, a gif of a guy giving a thumbs up and saying, you're doing a fine job, Naomi Baby. <laughs> and you can, Please do. You can visit it anytime you're feeling down. Okay, good. If you want to find me, you can go to writeonco.com <laughs> or Hollywood Fishbowl or no or Hollywood Fishbowl that's fine you'll be fine there you'll be yeah. taken care of thank you so much for listening and we look forward to rapping again with you next time on the show when it's Friday <laughs> okay bye bye